Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, I want to welcome to the program Dr. Bill Thierfelder. I got it right? You did. All right. Dr. Bill Thierfelder from Belmont Abbey College uh, in Gaston County is joining me for, uh, well, I I joked earlier with... uh, one of your uh, colleagues, uh, Rolando Rivas, I yes, think his yeah, first name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said this is my penance for my embarrassment at not knowing a lot about the college. <laughs> when I attended the event a couple of weeks ago, the um, uh, the big uh, campaign, campaign announcement, yeah. and yeah, and so and I was I was I was kind of embarrassed. I did not know so much about Belmont Abbey, and so I was like, let, let me have you on the show and uh, do penance here. So first, <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about you are the president of the college. Uh, tell us a little bit about the college itself. How many students uh, does it have? And uh, sort of it's because it's old, right? It's been around for, what, 100-something years, 150 years almost? Yeah, and, and don't be embarrassed. It, it kind of strikes me odd, though, that we're right off of 26. Literally, as you drive by on, on 85, you mm-hmm. see the college off to your right. Beautiful brick Gothic buildings. And these monks, I mean, it was founded in 1876. The monks, and this is hard to believe, actually dug up the red clay they formed them into bricks, they dried them in the sun, and they actually designed the buildings and built them by hand. I mean, it's a phenomenal story of just providence that they would be here. So it's been around for almost 150 years. This will be our 147th. Um, we have about 1,500 students, undergrads. Uh, we have professional degrees and so forth, but our real emphasis is on teaching students to think well, you know, how to, how to be logical in your thought process, how to articulate your ideas, how to write extraordinarily well. Because in today's world, I mean, there's going to be a, they, they say right now the students coming out are going to have something like 14 or 15 career changes. Hmm. Well, how the heck do you, how do you prepare for 14, 15 career changes? The only way to do that is to know how to think really well, because then you can go do anything. Huh. I remember when I was in school, they were talking about how you're probably not going to be in the career that you take as your major, but not 14 different careers. Yeah. It's, it's wild. The, the days of someone staying in a job for like, you know, 30 years and the 40 years that you used to hear where they get the gold watch at the end, uh, they're not happy. I, every now and then when I hear it, it's almost like, you know, it's like the white whale. You know, I've, I've seen something that yeah, I haven't yeah. seen before, you know. So um, did any of those monks have any kind of like engineering experience? Like yeah, when they, they built? architect. Okay. They oh, they were. Okay. Background. I mean, okay. monks are interesting people, you know, because they're, they're regular people. They're like men like us, you know, and they come there and they seek God and they believe by working and praying and living together in community, they're going to come to a deeper, more profound love of God, uh, but they bring all their skills with them. So hmm. uh, it's, it's, it, they, they were self-sufficient in every way. I mean, they had tailor shops, they did their own plumbing, they did their building, they did the teaching, they, you know, just about everything you could think of. And so they, they kept doing that, obviously. Yes. Um, how many monks are there now that are part of the, the Abbey? Because So for folks who don't even, I guess I should back up, like what's an Abbey? Let me start there. <laughs> well, an Abbey is uh, basically, as I described, these men coming together seeking God. And they believe by, again, living in community with each other, that's how they're going to come to this you know, deeper love of God. And so they create what's called an Abbey. And you need at least 10 monks to form an Abbey, which oh. is what began back in 1876. Uh, they, I didn't know there were rules like that. There like, are. There's, there, there's, some, there's some rules, you <laughs> okay. know. Um, but the Benedictines, it's interesting. Sometimes people with the Catholic Church thinks everything's coming from Rome or something, right? 
the monastery is completely autonomous. It doesn't get money from anybody. The Vatican doesn't send us money. You know, it's, it, it, it's its own place. I mean, obviously, we're, we follow the teachings of the Catholic Church, but it's from an administrative standpoint, it's pretty autonomous. It you know, kind of stands on its own. I mean, they had a farm there at one time. They grew their own food. You know, it's it, it just sort of remarkable. But yeah. It's a wonderful place. And so— uh what particular the Benedict is it Benedictine Benedictine, or Benedictine? yes, yes. Okay. Benedictine and okay it comes from Saint Benedict mm-hmm. and Saint Benedict we go back almost fifteen hundred years I mean that's that's what to put in perspective I mean the United States of America is not even two hundred fifty years old I'm saying we're come from a tradition of fifteen hundred years. And people sometimes when they think of monks, they think of these guys with like the hoods on their head and their quill pen and they're copying another volume of scripture, you know, and they did that and they did it beautifully. Took them about two years, by the way, to copy out one volume one of volume. scripture. Wow. Uh, but what they did was people don't realize their contributions to medicine and metallurgy and agriculture and business and just about anything you could think of was profound. I mean, their influence on Western civilization, they, they're the ones who built and preserved Western civilization as we know it today. So, by, you know, libraries we take for granted. They're the ones who collected books and kept them together. You know, so incredible, incredible history. So, th- uh, so there are, I guess, at least 10 monks still there are. There on are. campus? Yes, there's close to 20, uh, and they have new novices coming, meaning those men that are now seeking to, to be part of the community, and that's kind of like a regular process. So, it's a, and by the way, one thing about monks people might not know is that they take a vow of stability. Now, what that means is, I don't, I don't know how much anybody knows about any of this, right? But when you have a, a call to a religious life, to me, that's pretty amazing in itself. But to think you have a call to religious life where you're going to stay in one place for the rest of your life when you come. Mm. So they stay there their whole life until they get buried out in that cemetery. I mean— it's, So that—you uh, know, growing up in the Catholic Church, I— I knew that, like, they would rotate the priests yes, around. Yes, um, But that also happens in other denominations yes, also. Yes. So that does not that happen does with not these not happen monks. with Benedictines. You mm. come to one place and you stay there. And the idea being that, what are you looking for? God's here. You don't, you don't need to search around or go anyplace else. You know, everything you need and everything you need to understand about yourself and your relationship to God and your, your, your neighbor is, is all right here. You are not a monk. I am not. <laughs> All right. You are the president of the, of the college. So yes. what exactly – so what's your role in – because the uh, one of the monks there – The abbot. Uh, the abbot, sol- who is the kind of, uh, if you will, the spiritual father of the group, uh, is considered the chancellor of the college. And uh, what he really is doing is to ensure the mission of Belmont Abbey, that we stay true to who we are as a Catholic college and that our faith is strong and, and that that's, that's that always that essence of what we do and why we do it. Um, as the president, I'm in charge of everything else, right? <laughs> I, got, I, I also say, look, I am nothing, I know nothing, I have nothing. And that's not low self-esteem. I know people hear that, oh, God, poor guy feels bad about himself. No, if I'm standing you know, in front of God, what am I bragging about? I mean, absolutely nothing. So any good I might have, I know where it comes from. So I'm just trying to be a good steward, right? So that means I'm on the bottom pushing up. You know, to those who've been given much, much will be demanded, right? So you do what you can do. But as the president, you basically are trying to bring people together in this community to provide our students with this education that ultimately will glorify God in all things. I mean, that's why we do what we do. Uh, but we want them to know what it means to have a good life, you know, how, how, to, how to be happy, how to be successful, not just, you know, from a monetary standpoint. So sure, everybody wants to go get a job and have a good job and provide for themselves and family. But there's a lot more to life than that, as we all know. I mean, you know, you can have all the stuff in the world and not be a happy person. Yeah. So you got to know what truly makes you happy and helps you to, in a sense, be other focused. You know, our students are remarkable in their their love for other people, like their willingness to sacrifice for others. It's it's really pretty dramatic, especially in kind of the culture we live in today. There's a lot of self centeredness. Everything's telling us to look in. You know, what's good for you. 
Um, but our students look out. They, they care more about others than themselves. So uh, how did you end up at the college? You've been there, you said, uh, before we got on air, 19 years? Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> It was a call to come there. And, you know, I, I'm sure everybody listening has, could, could tell stories about divine providence, how, like, you just could not have figured out certain things would happen. I was reading this article in the paper. I'm on the left-hand side of it. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught this word Benedictine. I've always had an affinity, so I looked over to see what it was. It's attached to this ad for the President of Bellman Abbey College, which I never heard of before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I didn't go back to reading the article, but for some reason, I read the ad, I cut it out, I bring it home to my wife, Mary, and I said, you know, what do you think about this? And I know she's looking at me thinking, what are you thinking about this? And that was it. Ten minutes, it's all over. No more discussion. Next five days. You didn't have any experience in none, higher ed, no. teaching, presidenting, let, whatever. Let me give you a perspective. When I went to the University of Maryland, they told me my major was eligibility. <laughs> so, so I am not a scholar of any kind. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um, so next five days, I see this piece of paper every single day. It's in my pa- it's in my pocket. It's in my folder. I keep seeing it on the fifth day. I'm president of a company in Pennsylvania. I don't know why, but I feel compelled to call the phone number. I call up this number. Guy answers the phone. I said, look, you might think I'm crazy. I'm not looking for a job. Can you tell me more about this? After 40 minutes, he says, I think you're the person for the job. Now I'm from Bronx, New York. Constant hustles happen really fast. I figured I'd be giving this guy a credit card in two minutes. You, know, you two could be the president of a college, right? right. <laughs> and I, I was taken back. I said, what are you thinking here? And he goes, well, we've interviewed 50 people for this job. We're, we've selected five. I'm about to present to the board of trustees. I need to meet you right away. It's, two, it's, two, it's three o'clock on a Tuesday. I said, when's right away? Because I, I need to meet you this Friday morning. I, I said, I can't. I got a meeting with Dick Sporting Goods in Pittsburgh on Friday. Can't do it. He said, I'm flying through Pittsburgh on Friday morning. I go to Pittsburgh Friday morning. I meet him. I go through this whole thing. He's asking my scholarly background. I got none. At the end, I think he's going to tell me to be on my way. Instead, he says, I'm now confirmed. You're the person for the job. You're still interested? I heard myself say yes. I remember leaving the airport <laughs> thinking I've never even seen the college. I've never even seen a website. So it's a long story, but this is divine providence. My wife and I came here because we believe we're called to be here, and uh, we have a big family, too. We have 10 children, so uh, it was no small undertaking. Oh, gosh, no. Um, all right, so I'm talking with Dr. Bill Thierfelder. He is the president of Belmont Abbey College, uh, which is also now embarking on a massive capital campaign, um, and uh, it's going on for years. So there's, I mean, there's not like a pressing deadline here, but I want to ask you about that and the plans for the college uh, and also the mission uh, to, to carry forward this work, this outward-facing work that you were uh, alluding to earlier. Uh, we'll have more with Dr. Bill in a moment. Uh, in studio with me is Dr. Bill Thierfelder. He is the president of Belmont Abbey College. And uh, now they kind of went over sort of the uh, uh, background of the college, a little bit of your background. Um, let's talk about uh, what the plans are for future growth here for the college. Because you say you, you've got, what, 1,500 students? Yes. Um, how big is the campus right now? Uh we have the the Manassas community owns about 700 acres. Uh, the college probably sits on a little less than a hundred acres. Okay. Um, in the campaign website, this capital campaign website, it starts off by saying in the last decade, it has become harder and harder to survive as a private Christian institution in America. So my first question off of the first sentence was why? Well, part of it is that there's such challenges today to practicing your faith. So from a, a religious liberty standpoint, just being able to say, hey, here's who we are. This is what we believe. We want to be able to live that life. We're not telling anybody else what they got to do. Um, but yet the government wants to come in at this point and try to dictate to us how we live our lives and how we either can or can't practice our faith. Um, and some of that gets tied to the, the monies. So although we don't receive some you know, large sums of money from uh, the federal government directly, 
our students bring their loans, and those mm. are federal loans. So that the federal government says, well, then you get federal money because you're getting the money from these federal loans from your students. So that means any rules we want to send your way, you're going to have to adhere to them. And there's just certain things that we can't do. They're antithetical to who we are as a, as a Catholic college. We, we, you know, issues of, you know, same sex and transgender and so forth. We love people. It has nothing to do with that. But there's certain behaviors and ways of living that we, we can't support. Um, and yet the government would try, in a sense, through the funding part, to force us to do that. So part of this capital campaign to raise $100 million, uh, and by the way, you know, th- thank you, Jesus, <laughs> we, we already have commitments of $74 million towards that goal. Uh, but to do that, we're trying to build an endowment, and part of an endowment is monies that, in a sense, you can never touch, but the earnings and appreciation come from those that help then support your college and give you enough resources so that you can provide scholarships and the financial aid for our students. We have tried to make this affordable. I mean, we lowered our tuition 10 years ago by 33%. I mean, we have one of the lowest tuitions in all of North Carolina for a private school, and it's, it's, it's close to almost the state schools, to be honest with you. What, do you mind if I ask what it is? It, it, has, Roughly. Been, it has been 18.5. It's now 19.5, but nobody pays 19.5. 100% of our students get aid. So the average student is probably paying about $12,000 to go to Belmont Abbey for their tuition and fees, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, in the, wor- in the world today, that's, that's a pretty low number. And on top of that, you still, you know, get other aid and so forth that can go that supplements that. So the, the, the point here is to grow the endowment so that we can even provide further support for students. Uh, and our goal ultimately is to have students graduate debt-free, you know, where they actually, you know, aren't carrying anything more with them as they go forward. Right. So the... Because they come with federal loans, the federal government puts strings onto or puts yes. directives onto the college as a, as a pass-through. Right. So, for example, uh, let's say they came in and said, well, you have to provide abortion, contraception, sterilization, a whole host of other things. Well, we can't do that based on our faith, but yet they're saying if you don't do that, then we're going to cut the money to you. Um, the other and, the, one, and the kid, right, and the student, they would lose I, that they would lose well, the loan. Well, no, that student could take that same money, but they'd have to go someplace else. They'd have else. to go somewhere else, right. But here's what's interesting also that nobody's really talking about. I think you've touched on it before in your program. The federal government doesn't have an infinite amount of money. I mean, we're seeing, the t- we're seeing trillions of dollars of debt right now. Yeah. I'm concerned that the federal government at some point is going to say to privates, um, no more money for you at all. Hmm. We'll, we'll make the publics free. Just like we did K through 12, we'll now make colleges and universities free. Air quotes but, on free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, our, our free, like right. what we're paying for. Um, but at the same time, that means the privates, they would just cut and say, look, we provide higher, higher education, so there's no need to have privates being supplemented. And then the few that have these large endowments, which we don't, the vast majority of private college universities don't have large endowments. As much as you hear, oh, Harvard has you know, $50 billion endowment. Okay, that's Harvard. The vast majority of schools have nothing. Mm. They're just getting by on what they're doing. And I know people find it hard to believe that given the cost, even our 12000 that, gosh, it, our, you can't get by on that. It's like, no, it doesn't even cover the cost. It doesn't even cover – 12000 does not cover the cost. No, not even close. Of, of running providing a college, the, yeah. of, of having an undergraduate you know, program offered. Mm. Uh, and I would say that's across the country. Every, every college and university across the country, their undergraduate program runs at a deficit. You have to have something else to supplement it. Otherwise, you have a deficit. Huh. That's why they have large endowments. Why is that the case? I know we're going into sort of no, the, the higher ed industry here, but uh, I've got questions about it. But yeah. um, why would that be the case? It seems like, I mean, is it is it administrative bloat? Is it uh, salaries? Is it uh, too big of a campus? Like what, what drives you know, that? You know what it is? Most industries can find economies of scale different ways. 
Uh, education, it's difficult to do that because you have a PhD professor and you have students and you have so many they can teach at a time. It's not, you know, you hear this say, oh, we're going to all go online. There's going to be a thousand people in a class. That's not really a class. That's just going to be the dissemination of information to you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be taught by anybody. I mean, you're getting information. You can take that in and answer a quiz or whatever you're going to do online. That's very different from getting a really a quality education that does teach you to think, that does prepare you well. Um, that's going to be like one professor with maybe 20 or 25 students, you know, sometimes even less than that. I mean, we have a 1 to 15 ratio, I think, at, at the Abbey. It's so. one of the reasons I, cho- I went to Winthrop University was it was a small college, and I wanted, right. I wanted small classes. And I, you have a relationship with mm-hmm. the professors who actually then really know you, and they care about you, and they know what you kind of have a career you know, trajectory for, and they want to help you get there. And uh, it makes all the difference in the world. Mm. All right, so um, you, uh, also on the website it says uh, on this $100 million goal, which, as you mentioned, it's uh, like a $74 million, you said now? You're yeah, at 74. So yeah. you still got 26 to go. Yep. Um, and for folks who know me know that that math was very difficult uh, for me to just <laughs> on the fly do. Um, educate, uh, to educate students in the liberal arts tradition, revitalize culture, and defend religious liberty in the public square. So let me let's hit like each of those, I guess. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to. Are you okay to stay I'm for? Staying. I can okay. stay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's start with um, educate students in the liberal arts tradition. What right. what are the programs that mainly pe- people are graduating with, and what kind of education they get there that they don't get uh, anywhere else? Our, our largest major is business. Mm-hmm. Um, we have incredible pre med. We have a ninety five acceptance ninety five percent acceptance rate to medical school, a hundred to vet, pharmacy, PT, dental, and so forth. So we have incredible sciences. We've just started a nursing program. Caramount Health is just building a hospital on our campus, a $300 million project. Uh, so it's, you know, there's a lot the of... the one I see on the... Yes, from the that's what you're seeing. That's the hospital, and there's actually a professional office building there as well. Uh, so there's, the, the sciences are fantastic. Uh, psychology, we have a great psychology department. I mean, really solid. Uh, understanding the human person, body, mind, and soul. Um, and so we have some, uh, an honors college, uh, which is, you know, geared towards more of a great books type of program, like reading the... the, the the great books, if you yeah. will, and discussing and writing about those. Um, so we have incredible education there. Uh, is this would you consider? Is this like a classical education or the classics education? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, it's an and both, right? So yes, and then you also can like have a business degree. You can have right. an accounting degree. You can have you know medical degree. You know, so you can move through all of these. You know, whatever your your desire or you feel you're called to, you could go into those professional areas. But you're getting the foundational part of understanding how to think. And about, you know, bottom line of education should be about seeking the truth. Yeah. Well, in every discipline. Not, not in today's day and age. Uh, <laughs> seeking truth is not something we do anymore. Um, all right. So let me, uh, let me hold you over. We're doing it at the Abbey. There you go. You're doing it at the Abbey. Dr. Bill Thierfelder, the president of Belmont Abbey College. More with him in a moment. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. Dr. Bill Fierfelder is the president of Belmont Abbey College in Gaston County, right across the Catawba River here from Charlotte. And uh, it's been around for almost 150 years. They've embarked upon a uh, $100 million capital campaign, um, which I want to uh, go a little bit more into some of the... Uh, 
some of the goals, what the money is going to get used for. But I should have asked you before, um, what's the mascot? What's y'all's mascot? It's the Crusader. The Crusader. Okay. <laughs> um, so, because you guys do have a sports program. Oh, yeah. A pretty healthy one. Um, and uh, we're now going to get uh, Chris, who uh, Chris Farrell, our producer here, who's uh, lives like right near your campus. He's now going to be like your your super fan. I think he's going to start showing up to all of your events. I love it. Seventh. So you said what? Seventh largest sports program? We have the seventh largest athletic program in the United States, and that's Division One, Two, and Three. And I know people find that hard to believe, like Belmont Abbey College, like right here. But actually, the only schools larger than us that have more student athletes are uh, Harvard, Cornell, Princeton. University of Michigan, The Ohio State. I think there's one other in there I'm neglecting. And then we're tied with Yale. So uh, it's, it's quite remarkable, but we have a robust athletic. When we say we have an athletic program, and our whole thing, which is contrary almost to today's world, is it's about sport and virtue. And people think, oh, what does that mean? You're just trying to be good people or what? No, we, we, we ask for everything. We don't give up anything. We're talking about our, our tagline for our conference, by the way, which we help to move in this direction is champions in body, mind, and soul. Find me another conference in the United States of America that talks about the soul, right? That, that's not even in there. So we're talking about the development of the whole person. So we're talking about we want, if you're capable of being a world-class athlete, then be a world-class athlete, but we want everything else that goes with it. It's not enough for us to say, oh, you're a national champion. That's great, but what kind of person are you? What kind of spiritual life do you have? What, what, how, what's your academics? What's your extracurricular? How, what's your family? How do you care about others? I mean, all of those things are equally important to us, and we have coaches that get that and understand it. So... It's, it's quite remarkable what we have going on over there. And, and I've been involved in athletics like almost all my life. I've, not only in the NCAA level, but professional athletes I've worked with most of my life. And I will tell you, I've never seen anything like we have going at Belmont Abbey. It's, it's really just incredible. 1,500 students is like every one of them in, in a sport. <laughs> it's it's, it's all, close. Yeah. It's close. I think we're, we're close to 900 student athletes. Wow. Um, but again, in today's world, when you hear that, you think, oh, these are just, quote, jocks, you know, who are just there for athletics. And that's no, th- these, are, these are balanced individuals. I mean, re- to be honest with you, I went to the University of Maryland. And when I got there, they told me my major was eligibility. Yeah. They didn't care one thing about me. It was like, if you can compete, that's great. If not, we get rid of you. We'll fill you in with somebody else. I mean, that was the mentality. That's not Belmont Abbey. Our, our student athletes I wish I was like them when I was their age. I mean, they have balanced. You know, they, they have a spiritual life. They have an academic life. They have the athletic life. I mean, it's, it's beautiful to see. I mean, it's inspirational. Uh, so it's, 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 it's unusual because so when I talk about this, some people will be like, well, I know what sports means to me, but you haven't seen it like we're doing it over at the Abbey. Yeah. Um, what is the Belmont House? Belmont House is something we started, uh, we called it the American Semester, and Basically, it goes back to like the second part of our strategic plan, which is to restore the public square and to protect religious liberty. Um, in today's world, you know, if you have any kind of faith commitment of any kind to express that, it's almost like you're told you can't be in the public square. There's a separation of church and state. Yeah, which argument. nobody really seems to understand that saying that because right. what it meant, to, what that actually means is that the federal government cannot establish a religion. Right has nothing to do with us having a religion. As a matter of fact, they're supposed to accept our religion, right? Um, so so this, this restoring the public square means that we have every right in the world to be in that public square and to express ourselves. And I, everybody else is welcome in it too. Mm-hmm. And they could be completely different with us on their opinions. But I'm hoping that our ideas and the things that we do and the way we live our lives is inspiring to others. And it actually draws other people to say, wow, that." There's something here, and I need to look at that. But that can't be seen if we're not in the public square. And right now, 
pretty much faith is seen as some kind of radical way of living and you're some kind of nut and you shouldn't be in the public square. And, you know, to be honest with you, the, the federal government has its own religion in a sense. They don't call it a religion, but basically they just want one way and it's their way. What's in, you know, that, you know, there's a, uh, there's an inflection point when somebody like the actor, uh, Rain Wilson, who played Dwight Schrute on the office, yeah. not exactly a, Firebrand conservative here, <laughs> but he uh, he said something on Twitter the other day that he said uh, I imme- he's watching some show and he said he immediately knew who the villain was going to be because they started uh, they the, the character started reading from the Bible right and he said I automatically knew that that was going to be the villain of the story and he was correct right and he says so and he's identifying a problem with the storytelling in Hollywood yes. But that, to your point, like that's that's the way, and people get right portrayed. Well, it, it's it's somewhat of a Marxist approach, right? Which is God does not exist. Um, only science is of value because science is the only thing that can ever prove anything. Um, but science is the study of nature. You know, it has nothing to do with the supernatural and something beyond us. And there's a lot of questions to be asked beyond what we can know just from a pure scientific standpoint. Uh, but it's it's this is an important part of who we are as a college and why we have this capital campaign is that. We want to be there. So Belmont House is actually a block and a half from the Capitol. Up in um, D.C. In D.C. And uh, it's been amazing since we've opened it up. And it's a place that brings people together to, to debate and to talk about things. It's not a think tank. It's not a catechetical institute. It's really about trying to affect policy ultimately in, in Washington and to bring our ideas to the table to say, here's how we think a good life is, is founded. And that should be part of the debate. You know, and anybody's welcome to debate it and to talk about it. So, like, what's a day up there look like? Do, I mean, do you, do you go up there? Do you spend any time up I, there? Is I do. It, I don't, I'm not, you know, obviously. Are they I'm lobbyists here. or something? No, or no, it... no. We're not lobbyists by any means, but we, we bring people together. So people that work on the Hill, mm-hmm. uh, for example, that feel very isolated and alone, we bring them together so they realize, oh, they're not alone. Uh, we bring legislators. We have a Bible study with congressmen and women over there uh, on a regular basis where they come over and they're just— they're just there to study the Bible. They're not there to do any politics or anything else. So, so it's, it's a way of creating a community and a way of bringing people together and getting ideas, uh, you know, that, you know how it is that one idea bounces off another, you know, you and I are talking as I'm talking, you're thinking ideas pop into your head. You talk, I think the same thing. All of those things happen up there and they've, they've been really instrumental in moving some of the things, especially related to religious liberty along that would not have gotten moved otherwise. Hmm. So that's part of the, is funding that, keeping that going, or expanding yes. it even, is that's part of this capital campaign? It, it is. It's part of it. We, we basically want to do one of these Belmont houses in New York in finance. Um, again, sort of going into the belly of the beast, if you will. You know, Washington, New York. We want you got to go. We want to do San Francisco for technology. We want to do L.A. for media. Um, but the idea being our students getting exposed. So a lot of times everybody wants to go international, and there's great benefit in traveling internationally. But there's also something about being in the United States of America and, and seeing the United States of America and having an impact within the United States of America. And that's what that American uh, semester is about. So the, the America semester? We call it the American semester. Oh, so all this, like as a, students are going to go they to could. these Belmont they, houses? They, they, they do, and they go up there now for short periods of time and so forth. But we're just only at the point now of possibly developing a school of government up there. Hmm. So we would have, you know— Domestic policy, but we'd also have international as well. And our students would have a chance to to 
be up there, work with, you know, we're, we're again, a block and a half from where all the congressmen and women are. Yeah. Uh, you know, Longfellow Building and so forth. Uh, so it's it's a great opportunity. And because of the proximity of our location, it facilitates people from the Hill coming over to us, too, because it's, it's, it's a short walk. Right. Um, all right. So what else do we, we have uh, as part of the capital campaign? Well, let me ask, I'll ask it this way uh, first. Why do you you mentioned the endowments? Right. So that's the purpose. That's the why here is you need one hundred million dollars and what and it sits there and just spits off this. Uh, this yeah. Revenue. And the whole hundred million isn't for the for the endowment about maybe thirty five to forty million of it would go towards the endowment. But there's other projects we have in there. So there's programs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we started a whole new nursing you know, program at the Abbey, uh, put in all new, you know, facilities for that. We just finished $10 million of science labs. I mean, beautiful science labs. As a matter of fact, biochemistry is a growing major at the Abbey. Um, so we've, we've added mas- master's degrees in a number of different areas, including business administration, uh, master of health administration, master of strategic analysis, uh, organi- organizational leadership, uh, and nursing, I think I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So, so these are these are the programs we're trying to launch right now. We have them in place. They are there, and they're beginning to now bring students in. Um, but we're also looking at some of the facilities. So one of them is uh, putting in a, a performing arts center. And uh, as you may or may not know, we have the Abbey Players, which is the longest-running uh, theater program in North Carolina. It's been in existence for 139 years. They do an incredible job. And we're in this tiny little theater. I mean, there's no wings in this thing. I, the guy who does the sets there, Gary Civic, is genius. I, I mean, it, it's, it's almost like the Transformers, you know, our, our sets. You know, I don't know how he does it, but he, he pulls it off. Incredible programming, you know. The Abbey Players, the oldest performing arts group in North Carolina. Yes. That and so what so continuously there's always been yes, somebody there's always been there and they in do the troop. And they do like at least six six productions a year. Mm. I mean, you know, most major universities don't even do that. Great program, great students in it. They and really well real quality. They do a fantastic job in it. Uh, but we'd like a performing arts center to, to actually be able to expand that, not only for the college, but for the community. I was going to ask, people can go to these Absolutely. shows? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we'd love it. And then we have such great speakers come to our, our campus. I mean, really, you know, uh, Russ, I doubt that was just in, who's a New York Times best-selling yeah. author and columnist and so forth. He was just here speaking last week. I would have loved to have a center where we could sit, you know, 1,000 people or at least, you know, 900 people. Uh, right now, the, Abbey, the, the the theater we have seats about 180. Oh, wow. That, that's our max size. You know, So it's very intimate. It's very nice. But I'd like that venue. Well, it does cut down on uh, the protests that might show up. <laughs> you couldn't seat them all. Okay. All right. We're late yes. for a break. Uh, can you stick around for the final I segment? Can. Yeah, uh, that'd I think, be great. I, I thought you might say yes. All right. In studio with me is Dr. Bill Thierfelder. He is the president of Belmont Abbey College, located in uh, Gaston County, right next door here, across the Catawba River from Charlotte. And uh, it's been around for about almost 150 years. They're doing this big capital campaign. Um, it's it's a years-long uh, campaign, trying to uh, uh, raise $100 million. They're about three-quarters of the way there. This is the Made True campaign, and uh, it's got three pillars uh, for its existence, financial freedom, restore uh, the, the public, public square, yeah. and the third pillar is to rejoice in truth and love. And and basically what that one is about is, uh, one, we want to make sure that we're the employer of choice for our faculty and for our staff. Um, our faculty are incredible. I mean, incredible. They are ranked right now number one in the South in undergraduate teaching. So what does that mean? By U.S. How, News and World Report. How do you get that? 
It's by your peers, believe it or not. Mm. So they do a survey from other college universities, and we were deemed to have the best undergraduate teaching uh, in the South. So uh, that that's to me it says it says volumes about them. I mean, you know, surveys are surveys, right? And and you can question U.S. News and World Report and so forth the value of it, but it, it does say something. And our faculty, I will tell you, are they they're deserving of it. You know, they they're just exceptional in terms of how they have relationships with our students. It's, it's not a transactional thing of, Hey, come to my class. Here's a test, you know, like leave. Um, they are there for our students. You know, if students didn't understand anything, it'd be nothing for you to say, we'll come back over five o'clock today and we'll, we'll work on that. Um, so I will say the only person that doesn't succeed at Belmont Abbey is somebody who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to be there. Uh, there's always people there that are for you, that will support you, that will like help you through in some way. Mm. Um, this is more, this, and you, we mentioned it at the very beginning, but this, this idea of a mission, yes. and that's really what this what the campaign's about, and the school, absolutely right. Yes. It's and it's and I think it came out also in the discussion about the athletes. It's not it's not just one or the other. It's, it's all. the whole person. It's, it's and both, right? And so, you know, one of the things that maybe stands out the most um, when somebody comes to visit the Abbey, inevitably this happens. They'll come over on their way in. They'll stop and they'll talk to some students, and they come into my office and they'll say. Wow, I, I just talked to some of your students, and it was like amazing. I, I had such a great conversation, and they held the door for me, and they were so polite. And I thought, what, well, you think you're going to be mugged, you know, when you come over here, or what, you know? So, what the reason that stands out so much is that I know you can make friendships anywhere, but I have never seen friendships like the ones formed with our students. Um, I won't get too deep here, but Aristotle talks about three kinds of friendships, and the first two are sort of accidental. I won't go into those, but he talks about a third kind of friendship. He said, where you only want the good for the friend's sake alone. And if you had one of those kind of friends in your life who only wanted the good for you, for just your sake alone, you'd be blessed. You'd be amazed to have that kind of friend. Our students leave there with 30 of those friends. Matter of fact, they marry. <laughs> they often marry them, you know, because I can't tell you how many marriages come out of the Abbey as well. But it's this deep friendship where people are so balanced and care so much about the other. So in a society in a world today where we tend to see a lot of selfishness, uh, you know, at the Abbey, it's different. People are looking out, and they care more about you than they do about themselves. Dr. Bill Thierfelder, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Oh, my it. gosh. Pete, this is a great show. I'm just so happy to have been on it, and I uh, can't wait to be with you again. You're very kind. Uh, the website, bac.edu. Help them out if you'd like, and visit the campus.